Hey guys, a uh, quick note from Andy and I, uh, we did delve into the topics of the Atlanta and Colorado shootings that occurred over the past week. Uh, it, it was a little dark. Uh, obviously, it's not a great situation, but we had such a great conversation. Otherwise, uh, we just pulled it from the show and, uh, and you won't have to worry about it. So we'll talk to you later. Yeah, and, and enjoy the, uh, the positive news this week, guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And Andy, it is a good day and a good week. It's a great day and it's a great week. My life was saved this morning. Yeah, you want to go ahead and tell the story? Yeah, so I'm, I'm you know, sitting there just easing into the work day. It's probably 9 o'clock, something like that. My phone rings. I look down. It's my co-host on the show. So I'm already pretty excited. Like it's nine o'clock in the morning on recording day. All right, what do we got going on? Calls and says, hey, get on the website. COVID vaccines are going fast in the city of Toledo. So I hopped on the website. I am scheduled for Johnson & Johnson, the one shot, one kill vaccine next Wednesday. Ready to go. Let's get to this thing. Let's beat COVID. Yeah, buddy. And I got my first poke today uh at flower hospital here in lovely sylvania uh, i got moderna uh i sat there for my 15 minutes and i could feel all the changes happening in my body i could feel my superpowers developing uh you know the chip is firmly implanted uh ready to go i can hear bill gates loud and clear and uh one down one to go man i am feeling good by, but probably by the time this show drops, we will be communicating telepathically. <laughs> yeah. So to, to rewind just a little bit, um, you know, I have been trying to get vaccinated and trying to get my family vaccinated. Um, I was able to jump in at the very end of uh, phase one E, get scheduled. Uh, Thursday nights are when uh, vaccine appointments are dropping here in Toledo. And so I went to go, you know, try to help my wife out yesterday and they, they moved the system around. They changed it around. Uh, the Toledo public health, uh, department had had its own site for scheduling and they had just now incorporated it into the larger, larger statewide Ohio site. And so new appointments were supposed to drop at midnight last night. I stayed up until midnight. I get on the website. I'm messing around and I just keep. I hit a button as I go to the next phase and it brings me back to the first step and I do it again and I do it again. Uh, and so I struck out last night and I was feeling pretty bad. Uh, and then I, I'm up in this, I'm up in the morning. Uh, I'm, I'm checking my Twitter feed and I see that it was a known issue. And then about half an hour later, it's, it's resolved and there are appointments at the rec center. So I message uh, my wife, she gets scheduled. I message you, I call you on my way in the work. Uh, you get scheduled, and I uh, text Zach, uh, who's been on this show, and I and I tell him all three of you are scheduled for Wednesday at the rec center to get your. Uh, I I think the site sounds like it's pretty exclusively Johnson and Johnson, uh, and yeah, so people are getting vaccinated, and I am stoked. That is awesome that we are all scheduled for the same day, and you know what? I'm I'm going to back Lucas County a little bit. I didn't think that 
the Lucas County one that they were doing kind of independently outside of the state one was that bad. So I, I had been trying, you know, for the last week or so, and I thought it was fairly easy to use. But man, was it easy to use that? Uh, I can't remember the exact was it Get the Shot Ohio or something like that. I yep. Mm -hmm. The website. It super easy. It took probably less than five minutes. All I needed was my insurance card. I think it was my birthday and you know my insurance information and, and uh, in and out ready to go scheduled and in five minutes or less. Yeah, I didn't so, have any problem with, with their website either, and I was getting frustrated last night, but I'm glad that it seems like for once the site issues have been resolved, it sounds like you guys had a, a pretty easy, uh, you know, opportunity to register and get all signed up and all that. So very glad that it all worked out. Yeah, there should be no, no, the, the technical details of getting scheduled should not be slowing anybody down. And if they are, man, message the show, we'll help you get scheduled. This, this stuff is important. Yeah, and I'm going to go out of my way to give a shout out to Governor DeWine, who I have both praised and criticized on this show uh, over the past year or so. Uh, we haven't been doing it for that long, but the pandemic's been going that long. I don't know if it's just because, you know, we're the seventh most populous state and that's why we're getting allocated out, you know, a sufficient number of doses. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, personally due to his administration's, you know, efficient handling, you know, development of this website. Um, but I mean, we have our neighbors to the north in Michigan who seem like they're much further behind us uh, as far as uh, what patient types are eligible to get the vaccine, getting, you know, being able to get scheduled for the vaccine. Knock on wood, it seems like it's going pretty smoothly in Ohio. And I hope that it's just genuinely, you know, for good reasons and not because there's less demand than there should be in our state. Uh, and there's actually just going to end up being a large portion of the state that doesn't want to get vaccinated. And that's going to be, a, a you know, its own separate uh, issue uh, as we go on in the next several months. Uh, but man, right now, I think the vaccine rollout in Ohio has actually been pretty commendable. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see your fears there that it's a lack of demand. But if you look at the numbers, especially locally, I think we're closing in somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of the county has at least one dose at this point. So hopefully that's not the case, because I, I think we're really ramping up our, our numbers here locally. And I think it, it's playing out to be that it is just a really efficient rollout and not a lack of demand. I mean, I looked. When I scheduled at, at 9, 9.30 this morning, there were 150 appointments. And I, out of curiosity, I went back around 3 o'clock and looked, and I think there were only 70 or so. So, I mean, they're they're going. And, I mean, that number's hopefully even better than at silence just because, obviously, there are a bunch of children in Lucas County, and, and they can, are not eligible for the vaccine yet. Uh, so, you know, definitely seems like we're – cranking it out i'm hoping you know we are an urban area we are you know number four in the state uh size wise i believe um so i don't know how it looks in the rural parts of the state uh you know if it's if it's not being as uh you know efficiently rolled out and if there's not as much demand for it we do also have one of those uh you know mass vaccination sites that uh you know we get some funding for from the american recovery act uh, there is one in Maumee, there's one in Cleveland. I know there are plans for many more, but I know those two are up and running. 
uh, and two big population centers cranking them out. Uh, so overall, you know, obviously I'm biased. I'm just coming off getting vaccinated earlier today. I feel great. I have a little soreness in my arm, uh, not even worth mentioning really. And, and otherwise I feel really good. Really glad to take the first step on, on things starting to get back to normal. Absolutely. Just getting scheduled today. I was, I, I was buzzing a little bit all day. It put me in a pretty good mood to know that, you know, personally I'm taking that step and then also doing the socially responsible thing and making sure that we're going to get those numbers down, keep our community spread down. So this is going to be something that we're going to look at and say, what the fuck happened in 2020, but it's not going to be something that hangs with us, you know, as, as a specter looming over us going forward. Exciting stuff for sure. Yeah, the only other vaccine thing I want to just plug real quick here uh, is just AstraZeneca just shooting itself in the foot over and over, it seems. Uh, the reason we're not going to go into there's a whole lot of interesting things about how they, they messed up their dosing regimen uh, and they got different stats based on whether they gave two full doses or a half dose in the beginning and then a full dose. Uh, they have not been super transparent with their data to the point where uh, our FDA issued some criticism uh, of their vaccine, which seems like it is actually a good vaccine uh, that will be very helpful in getting the world vaccinated. But they've been, had major supply issues in Europe to the point where the EU is pushing back on preventing them. Again, they are a uh, UK-based uh, vaccine. Oxford AstraZeneca partnered on this vaccine. Uh, to the point where like there's been some limitations on exporting the vaccine to, to non-EU countries because the EU wants what they were promised uh, from a supply perspective. So I hope that the U.S. market was not really in their game plan because between Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, I think we have the supply to vaccinate everyone here uh, and, and really that's it's not going to be a critical vaccine uh in the u.s population yeah i think the only thing that i saw was i, I know that they're i think they're a little bit ahead of where we are as far as trials with the younger populations with the astrazeneca i think uh, canada and I, I, I don't remember if it's the uk or another european country but i think they've already i know there's a big one going on in canada of, of trials on kids so i wonder if that's going to be you know something that slows us down a little bit because that's going to be something probably get approved for kids in Europe maybe before we see that here. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I think President Biden is looking at trying to maybe do 200 or yeah, 200 million doses in the first hundred days. So doubling what his original uh, kind of what he threw down on the table and said, I think we can do a hundred million, a hundred days. So uh, what we're doing here, I mean, I, I think it's almost, this is almost the moon landing of our generation. Like, this is exactly what America can do if we all pull together and kind of work towards one single goal and, and put our resources and our manpower to things. I mean, this vaccine rollout to me has been one of the most inspirational things we've seen in a while, just because for all that's wrong with America, and I, I, I'm sure anyone that's listened to the show more than once knows, I think there's a hell of a lot wrong with this country. This is it's just a great example of what happens when we can pull together and do the right thing. Uh, I cannot emphasize more strongly how correct that opinion is and how underappreciated I feel like it is 
maybe just in the closed circle that you know that I'm in as far as you know the, the family uh, that I interact with and and kind of the people in my immediate social circle. I mean, let's just uh, let's just step way back for a second. We have this you know pretty novel virus. You know, it's a coronavirus family. We've studied coronaviruses. It is a novel virus. It starts out in the most populous country in the world. It, the the details of its origin are kept secret by a communist government, uh, setting the world back as far as managing uh, the spread of the pandemic in the first several months. It's highly infectious, much more so than the flu. Uh, it's more uh, virulent. It's it's killing more people uh, than the flu, uh, and it's again very easily spread. And within a year, we we spit out not one, not two, and really th- three very solid. You know, the J and J numbers are a little bit less, but the J and J. Vaccine was tested against more variants and in a more difficult environment. Three plus the AstraZeneca vaccine, at least four now rock star vaccines in the course of a year. Uh, and, you know, being able to, you know, distribute that vaccine to, you know, 300 plus million people in the United States and, you know, working our way through the six plus billion people in this world, it's, it's phenomenal. It literally like this is, you know, if you are going to diagram the statistical outcomes of how this could have been handled, we are in outlier land. We are in best case scenario. Uh, and again, we're crossing our fingers. We, we've tested it to the best that we can. You know, our, the coronavirus itself is new. We don't know what its long term f- effects are because it has not existed for long term enough for us to know the effects. Uh, you know, we've used some novel uh, vaccine approaches for this. We don't necessarily know their long-term effects, but we've tested them as best we can, and it, and it looks very much like they are safe. This has been a, just a scientific achievement that is is up there on the Mount Rushmore of what we've done in all of recorded history. Uh, just literally cannot... Uh, sing its praises enough and i feel like a lot of people lose sight of that yeah i, I was absolutely serious when i said i mean i and if we're talking about the mount, mount rushmore it's the moon landing it's this and we'll talk about the other two the serious i mean the wheel slice bread something like that but i mean this, this this is up there for holy shit how did we pull this off and I, I i agree that people aren't recognizing it now and i think when we look back 20 years from now we're gonna say how the hell did we do that and i yeah. think it's it's really important to remember too that this isn't this didn't happen so fast because we were careless or because we cut corners. This was extensively studied. I mean, in a normal drug, and I mean this is way more your forte than mine, but but I feel fairly confident to say, I mean, it, with normal drugs, there's what hundreds, I mean tens of thousands of drugs that are probably being studied at the exact same time. I mean, this is is a scientific miracle of we decided. This is what we're going to put all of our priority and energy into. So it's not that we cut corners. It's just that, you know, the regular approval process takes years because one, with most drugs, you can afford to wait years. 
And two, you know, things like cost are and manpower are concerns where you're trying to spread that out. Whereas here, this was the entire world's problem to solve. And, and look what we did. So we did not cut corners with this. This is safe. Go go out and get your poke and be a part of history. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like we, again, we talked about in our significant events of the 20, uh, 21st century, uh, you know, it was, I, I think it was on the honorable mention list, but we, you know, we sequenced the genome, the human genome. We were able to take this virus and sequence its genome in like a day. And again, the year that we've had so far from the co- coronavirus, uh, its genome being sequenced and us knowing exactly what it is to us having vaccines approved in, in people's arms, the design of this vaccine and and how it would be created like the you know the brainstorming part of it the invention of it was a very 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 short window because we've been studying you know this is you know we didn't just manage like oh let's have an mrna vector to to do this you know we had been thinking and and theory crafting and, and working on this technology for for several years at least but now it's like okay you know, we've been thinking about this. Now we have a real world application that is dire that we need attention to right now. And really this past year, the reason that it's taken so long in quotation marks is just because we, it's all been, you know, clinical trials to prove safety and efficacy. Uh, and, and again, we're not cutting corners. It's the fact that we have the best computing uh, computers, you know, the best computing ability for computers at any point in human history it's the fact that all of the best scientific minds built on all of the you know the learnings and teachings of our uh, our scientific ancestors we've sat on all of that knowledge we've put it to the best possible application uh and, and man this is just you know again this is good this is good news friday uh you know you and i are feeling good i just i'm so happy uh that we made it to this point um and 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 hopefully we're 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 getting we're at the beginning of the end is my hope absolutely all right I mean, so, all right fun, so fun go, science yep fun science again science is <laughs> science is fun people science is studying how you know how the world works and i really cannot think of anything uh more interesting from an academic perspective so and yeah, so on that very nerdy note, uh, Andy, let's. This podcast is just going to be a mishmash, a cornucopia of just random topics. Uh, you know, it's been a little while since we've discussed what's been going on in the world. Uh, this won't be all serious conversations. And you're going to kick us off with our very, very first topic. You subjected yourself to the Grammys. Uh, what's going on with music right now, my friend? Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know if subjecting myself to the Grammys is fair, saying this is like my wife's one guilty pleasure. So every year I watch the Grammys, I've started to make a habit, I think, of live tweeting the Grammys. Um, so I'm going to start by saying, I don't know who, <laughs> I mean, they'll come out with the nominees and I'm like, oh, heard of them. And then there's like three, never heard of that person before. I do know how Bad Bunny is now because I watched the Grammys last year. I've never, literally never heard a Bad Bunny outfit the context of the Grammys. I think he might just be like the house band for the Grammys. That's probably not right, but I have no idea. Um, but it's a show. 
this year was a little bit different. So I, last year, I think, I believe hit right before the lockdown. I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't know. I feel like there were a bunch of people doing a bunch of crazy stuff. I, last year feels like so long ago. Maybe it was during the lockdown. I remember some guy like setting some houses on fire. I don't remember his name. <laughs> he, he was a decent artist. I'm sure there's probably somebody out there that watched the Grammys that knows who I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to come back from that one. So, um, I mean, I'll probably let's just skip to the best story from the Grammys. I had never heard the song WAP before. They performed it live. I don't know how the fuck they performed it live on national television. I don't know what I watched, but this was like, I'm pretty sure I just sat there and said, what the fuck for however long is this for four minutes straight? I don't know what that was. It was, it was gross. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to describe that song other than gross. Like, well, the part your about the garage backing in the truck, I was like, what the? What? Oh, my so this, gosh. This, this was an experience. I don't know what that was. I hope to never hear it again. I'm sure I will at some point. But, I mean, how is this? How was that on live? Like, tell me how that was on network television, please. Okay. First off, I have a question for you. Do you yeah. know do you know who Ben Shapiro is? Is he that that nerdy little dude that always that thinks he says like really creative conservative stuff but he's kind of just a douche? You uh, nailed it. Uh, 100%. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yes. So when this song came out <laughs> and again, I, I'm sure this is not his actual thoughts. I'm sure this guy is laughing all the way to the bank to the bank with just takes that are meant to trigger people or rile people up or whatever. But but basically his reaction to this song, you know, saying it, you know, is indicative of all the moral depravity that is, uh, you know, in our culture was basically just like, does she, does she have like some kind of like disease? Like, why is it so wet or whatever? And then everybody was like, Oh my God. Everybody was like, Ben Shapiro can't, doesn't make his wife wet or whatever. Um, and, and you're doing your best Ben Shapiro impression right now. I, 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 we're going to butt heads right here. Let's go. WAP is a uh, pinnacle uh, of our music today and uh, is played way too often uh, in our house. Uh, and just some really just creative, hilarious lyrics. Uh, and everybody should appreciate Cardi B. And uh, Megan the Stallion. It's amazing. You have children. <laughs> I think we've already established, just based on how many times an episode I drop that bomb, uh, that the language filter just doesn't exist on our house. It should. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm proud of this. Um, and this is usually the line, like, usually, like, a kid has to be, like, having, you know, Max has to have his headphones on playing a video game or something like that or whatever. But Cardi B, uh, love her work, uh, really just one of the foremost, not just women rappers, just rappers in general. Megan the Stallion, same thing. Uh, did they, I assume that it, like, was was the song so edited as to be unintelligible on TV? No, I don't think so. I mean, okay. I, I literally never heard the unedited version, but there was some stuff that I was just like, oh, whoa. <laughs> so oh. I guess it's no, not really. I mean, it was it was late. So they played it. I mean, it was probably, I don't know. It was probably at least 1030. 
you know, like in, in, in real time on the East Coast. So it's not like they played it, you know, at eight o'clock. So I would imagine that, that most parents would have had their kids in bed by then. So, well, the the clean version of the song, it, uh, oh, which is a ridiculous notion to even think of, uh, it, the the chorus goes wet and gushy, um, and the 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 uh, the unedited uh, explicit version is just uh, it's just wow, um, lots of uh, very uh, uh, descriptive metaphors. Uh, for having sex just just it's it's phenomenal what a, what a, oh, it's catchy oh just it's so good love it yeah i'm not sure i hated it i think i was just so shocked by it that i was just like what, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you know my first time again it's my very first experience hearing this song and i, I think for a while i was sitting there like Do they know what they're saying like it's kind of funny Oh, and then wow. I was like, you know, and, and then I, I paid a little bit more attention to the dancing, and I was like, oh, they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, we're I'm, I'm hearing what they're putting down. Got it. Oh, I forget when the song came out or whatever. There was some Republican congressman who, like, I, I, it was something where it was like got caught like on his computer like watching the video watching the music video or whatever which was probably as or even more explicit than whatever the Grammy's performance was <laughs> i i don't know what else there is to say i would imagine he got in more trouble for that than he would have been if he would have been like you know posing with 27 guns behind him on zoom or you know at the insurrection so uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody has their own personal standards, Andy. What can I say? So that 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 was that was definitely the uh, the highlight moment of the Grammys for me. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I was shocked. I was shocked when Taylor didn't win everything. I mean, I always am, but I, I mean, I guess I imagine they just do it to give everybody else a chance because they're like, all right, we well, you know you're the best, but we can't just give you every single award. So I, I thought she was really classy in defeat. Beyonce won some sort of award for. I don't know, like second best musician ever made or something. Which <laughs> legitimately deserving for her. She's pretty uh, talented, but and, you know, and, and and Taylor did a part. I was like, hey, that's really good. I'm happy for you that you won second place to me. So I'm mean, people didn't take it that way, but <laughs> that's what it meant. Yeah, I just am at the point in my life where uh, I'm already just sixty years old, and I just don't I don't recognize most anything new at this point. I. Uh, uh, again, in college, I started listening to podcast a lot, and get you know, get the smartphone, get the app on there, and I'm listening to so little music in the car. So, uh, and if I am listening to music, it's you know, it's a Pandora radio station. You know, it's 2000s hip hop or it's classic rock. It's certainly not just what's on the radio, what's current, and uh, and so when I watch the Grammys, whenever that is. Most of the times it's like, yep, no, haven't heard of this person. Haven't heard of this person. Haven't heard of this person. Oh, I think the one person I know is going to win. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But uh, yeah, not not a huge thing for me. Yep. A very similar experience for me. One question you may be able to answer. Is Lizzo okay? Because she was like every single song in the last Grammys. And I don't even think she was there for this one. I, I maybe she's just taking a vacation. Maybe she's was just enjoy, enjoying the fruits of her labor. I, I don't really know. All right. Well, I hope everything's okay with her because I enjoyed her in 
the last Grammy that I watched, but I did not see her in this Grammy. So hope everything's okay with Lizzo. She can come on the show if she wants to give us an update. <laughs> Oh, if you had to pick like a, a, the you know a most random person to come to come on Buckeye Dads discuss uh, Lizzo that in the top five, maybe we can get Lizzo and Mike Pence on the same episode. That probably wouldn't go well. But oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, amazing. All right, so the pendulum swiss uh, swings all the way back to the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I want to talk about the American Recovery Act, just one portion of it, real quick. Um, so we hopefully, uh, you know, most people are getting their their stimulus checks if they haven't already. I got mine just two days ago. Money in the bank, very nice. Uh, but this this bill came together pretty quickly, and one thing that I don't think got a lot of attention until right before the bill passed when the bill passed a little bit afterwards uh, is the new child care tax credit uh, overhaul. I just want to spend a few minutes talking about that, get your thoughts on it, um, sing its praises for, for a second. So, uh, you know, this is obviously relevant to you and I as, as fathers uh, and, and millions and millions of people across the country. Uh, you know, I don't know a hundred percent of the, the particulars tax language wise, but historically, uh, over the last, you know, four or five, six years or so, the child tax credit has been two thousand dollars a kid. Uh, the the child tax credit is pretty much where uh, my wife and I get the overwhelming majority of our tax return. Just comes from having three kids. We're pretty close to even otherwise, and so that's great, cool. Uh, there are some, there were some limitations on on who could get it. Uh, you know, you certainly have a a high-end income threshold where people who make a certain amount of money don't qualify for it uh, or it starts fading out. Uh, but there are also some, pe- some people on the lower end of the spectrum where I believe if you hadn't paid a certain amount of taxes, uh, you did not qualify for the credit in some way. Um, and so the child uh, or the child tax credit, not the child care tax credit, we're not talking about daycare, we're just talking about having kids, uh, gets overhauled just for this one year. And it's kids six or under uh, are now are $3,600 a kid. Uh, and any kid older than that is $3,000 a kid. And and so you say, oh, what's the big deal with that? It's just an increase in money, uh, which is, it's, it's a big deal, but it's not super surprising necessarily. It's not novel. Uh, but what we are going to try to do with this, and I'll explain try in a second, is... Uh, you you have the option to just take this full amount uh, at tax time next year. But again, that's about another year away. Uh, but what this bill also allowed for was you could take half of that tax credit and, and take it as periodic payments throughout the year. And so the reason why this is so important, obviously, is you start having, it's almost like social security for kids. Like you have, uh, some guaranteed income coming in through throughout the year. Uh, that's just, you know, because you have a kid uh, and you're still getting a very substantive amount at tax time if you choose to do this. Uh, and this bill was projected to cut child poverty by 50% in this, in this country. And if, you know, you just take that sentence and you just marinate in it for a little bit and it sounds like a very worthy cause to me. So Andy, I just gave a recap. What do you think about this? I think my first question is, I don't 
understand what child poverty means, but my immediate reaction is, hell yeah, America, do you want us to keep having kids? Because, man, kids are expensive for our generation. So if you want to keep, you know, having population in this country, <laughs> thank you for throwing us a bone every once in a while. I'm personally going to look at it as my reward for um, all of the remote schooling that I did, because I think <laughs> I deserve a full teacher's salary probably and then some, because I think I probably did some things that maybe even went beyond what a teacher would do. So I very much like to think of it as like a refund for all of the education that I paid my kids school for that they didn't provide over the last two years. Um, I mean... <laughs> I guess that's just a, you know, a personal jokey reaction, but I, I think this is awesome. I think it's great that we're increasing the tax credit. I mean, kids are really, really expensive, as everybody knows, and to, to throw us working folk with kids a bone, I mean, I can't imagine that anybody's not just going to be investing that right back into their kids, so all the money is just going to go to help the kids anyway, and I mean, 100% of that money is going to be spent on one of the two in my house that I'm sure it's the same way yours so I think this is great could you tell us a little bit more about what child poverty means though because I'm picturing like my kid's going to start paying bills and I, I don't think that's what it <laughs> as nice as that would be yeah I mean I don't have a, a strict definition in front of me but basically just you know you know the number of uh, children in the United States whose families are at the poverty level who you know struggle with hunger and and, uh, you know, having the basic, you know, necessities in life. And so, uh, it, you know, it's going to boost the income of, uh, of those families. Uh, and it should, uh, you know, by uh, what seems to be a very significant amount. So, uh, you know, that that's great. I mean, obviously, you know, who knows how parents will choose to spend this. I would imagine uh, I'm going to you know, take the optimistic approach and imagine that, you know, parents love their children and are going to uh, invest in them to give them the best that they can um, as frequently as possible. So um, as somebody who has three children, uh, I, I will be looking forward to this for sure. Uh, it'll be, it's the one month of the year when tax time rolls around where I'd be like, oh yeah, having three kids, what a great financial investment. Good job, good job, Josh. I mean, this is totally... <laughs> This is totally worth it, purely from a financial perspective. Obviously, children, I love you all very much, and you are you are all totally worth it, all three of you. But but yeah, uh, you know, you look at how much you know just daycare uh, costs for just one kid, uh, and and then everything else. Um, you know, and again, if you just want to, you know, we say, oh hey, you know, you get the people who don't have any kids. And say, oh, well, what did we get? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, from just a purely, if you want to take a cold, hard facts, rational perspective, the only reason that the United States population is growing at all, and really, I think probably maintaining is more accurate than growing, is just immigration at this point. Um, you know, the birth rate has dropped pretty significantly. I don't, I, we're not at like Japan levels or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, just, you know, you just draw an arrow pointing downward, uh, you know, from our parents' generation, from our jam uh, grandparents' generation. It's just, it's too, you know, when, uh, you know, everything is more expensive now and wages have not proportionally gone up. Uh, student loan debt, uh, insecure housing, uh, you know, the, the being able to buy houses is, is 
not attainable for just a lot of people, uh, you know, based on just their jobs or their even just where they live and just not having any affordable housing options. Um, so, you know, people in our generation are winning, you know, longer to have kids. I mean, you know, we, uh, my wife and I were the first ones in our group uh, in our, you know, our extended, you know, high school, college friend circle to have kids. And we were uh, not yet just about to turn 25 when that happened. Uh, and, you know, we were first, we were early, but, you know, if you compare it to my parents' generation, I mean, we would be, you know, pretty late. And now, I mean, you know, 30 is, is pretty common, you know, to, to get there and, and be like, okay, now I'm in, in the mode to like thinking about having kids uh and whereas that would have been almost unheard of you know in previous generations so if if, uh you want uh workers to feed the capitalist machine uh america then make it reasonable for us to to have kids so absolutely investment in our future i'm gonna I want to push back a lot of it on the uh, that's going to eliminate child poverty. As somebody who works in a field that touches poverty quite a bit, to pretend like, you know, what, 1400 what was it? $1,600 $1, difference in the child tax credit? You said it went from 2000 to 36 uh, Yeah, right? either what, $1,000 or $1,600. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that's it. <laughs> I, I think that's a good marketing campaign if somebody's convincing people that a thousand dollars is going to make the difference between poverty and not poverty. We need to do a hell of a lot more because we're not doing even. I mean, th- th- this is a very nice start, but this isn't even close. Families that live in poverty are punished in a lot of different ways in our society and in ways that cost way more than a thousand dollars a year. And I could probably do a series of shows on that, so I don't want to get too deep into that. So I'm I'm gonna. Say I strongly disagree with that cutting child poverty, even if you use every one of those dollars in the smartest way possible. It's a <laughs> it takes more than a thousand dollars a kid to to move the needle on poverty, but it is exciting. It's nice to see you know some funding going towards people having kids, towards you know supporting parents. I think we need to do a lot more, and I think this is a good start, and it's exciting to see. For sure on all that, I, I'm just going to clarify. I think it's more just the fact that you're right. That from a pure dollars and cents perspective, it's not overwhelmingly that much more to make a difference. I think it's more just having monthly access to that money uh, and having a steady, a steady stream throughout the year as opposed to having to wait the full year, accumulate a whole bunch more debt, You know, kind of just keep the cycle of, of poverty and debt going. But, but you're right. I mean, you know who knows well let's wait and see what what actually happens and then you know the long-term effects of it you know there are thoughts that uh, again this is only for one year uh, i believe democrats in congress are going to try to make this a permanent change but it's by no means guaranteed uh and the other confounding factor too is the irs has basically been like whoa 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 you're extending tax time because of the pandemic cool you're adding stimulus payments to us cool like the goal was for this to start in July, uh, July, August, September, October, November, December. You get a monthly check. It's more likely now going to be the the law specifically says periodic checks. So it might be more like quarterly or every other month. We don't really know exactly how it's going to be implemented yet. But 
Uh, I'll just close by saying this is the start of something good. Hopefully it can be built on and made even better. Definitely agree with that. All right, Andy, give us an update on what's going on with hockey. We're going to shift to talk about some sports for a little bit. So the uh, the NHL regular season is plugging along. We had, um, I think it was Montreal. I'm not 100% sure. I had to cancel a couple of games because of positive tests this week. Overall, I think the season has been relatively successful. Fans are getting back into the buildings for games, which is honestly a little bit scary to me. But, I mean, I, I guess that's a positive that that's happening. Um, tough, tough look for Michigan this afternoon. Uh, they got bounced from the NCAA hockey tournament for a positive test. So for some reason, even though the bubble has been really successful with a lot of other sports, I know the basketball tournament is in a, a bubble type situation. Hockey decided to just say, whatever, we'll just, you know, hope for the best. And, uh, it has not turned out for the best, at least for Michigan. So they got booted from the NCAA Frozen Four tournament today. That, that, that's a tough look for Michigan. I mean, they're basketball to a better team. They're a basketball school now, so I don't think they mind too much. You know, they are a decent hockey school, though. Like they, <laughs> I, I've been to some games there. It's 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 an all right time, but yeah, they're a basketball school for sure. All right, so you kind of, uh, this is tangentially related, but since you brought it up, you know, we talked earlier on in the show, uh, we're about to be vaccinated or in the process of being vaccinated, uh, that the same holds true for our spouses, obviously not happening yet for children. So when do you think you're going to be comfortable you know, we know that uh, I believe local our local teams are looking to admit people not at full capacity, but at reduced capacity. You and I enjoy going to Ohio State football games, you know, NHL games, NBA games, college games. Where are you sitting right now? Like looking ahead, you know, we have this backlog of concerts and movies and sporting events and excursions and you know, museums and, and, and all of these things that we've put on hold for the past year, uh, you know, as we get towards the end, like, what are you thinking for that? Like 2022, realistically, I don't think a lot of that's happening this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, until there's something that's worked out for the kids or into, I mean, really, if I've been, Back, so I took a, a break from studying the numbers in Ohio because it was driving me nuts, but I've been following them a little bit more closely now. And I mean, we've really plateaued despite the fact that our vaccine numbers are going up by considerable numbers every week. Our case numbers and our hospital numbers are not really going down. So I want to see some significant movement in the community spread, I think, before I'm going to be comfortable taking the kids anywhere myself. I mean, yeah, I mean, once I'm vaccinated, I don't know. Honestly, I don't think I'll probably go out to eat until 22. That's where I'm at right now. That may change if numbers improve, but I I think I'm still looking for a while before I'm going to be doing anything resembling, you know, what life was like before this. How about you? I'm not going to sit on the fence. I the, the My honest answer is I still want to wait and see. You know, I still have 
you know, I I got my first injection today for Moderna. I have 42 days as the metric for when they started actually measuring, you know, efficacy and did it prevent, you know, mild COVID, moderate COVID, severe COVID. Um, so I still got uh, some time to chew on this. Uh, what I want to see more, I do obviously also want to see drop in community spread. Uh, that would be great. Uh, but really, I want to see more data on are these vaccines preventing you from uh, actually getting the virus in your system? Are they preventing asymptomatic spread? Like, we don't 100% know yet. Is it, do you still get get COVID in quotation marks? Um, and it, you know, it's, it's in your system, but it's not doing anything. It gets defeated by your immune system, but it's, it's in your respiratory tract and you can spread it to other people who are not vaccinated. If you're not wearing a mask and, and following social distancing, or as it seems to be, um, I think we have some Pfizer data that's showing that it is, these vaccines are in fact, you know, not completely a hundred percent, but they are overwhelmingly reducing asymptomatic spread. Uh, the virus is not taking a hold in your body at all. You're not spreading it uh, to other people when you've been exposed to it. Now, again, we have quite a few different variants floating around where the vaccine is not as effective. Still, again, people, like, we're getting vaccinated. We're still wearing masks uh, when, we're, when we're inside. We're still trying to social distance the best that we can. The CDC has relaxed guidelines on, you know, it's it, the CDC has basically said, look, like, if you and I want to go you know, sit, you know, at each other's, you know, dining room tables and have some beers or whatever. Uh, we're And we're both vaccinated. Like you, you got the green light to go ahead and do that. You know, if your grandparents want to come over and it's just your grandparents' house and your house and they're vaccinated and you're vaccinated and your kids aren't vaccinated, that that's okay. But pretty much otherwise, if it's you're mixing households, if it's not just all vaccinated adults, there's still some caution that needs to be taken. So I, I don't know yet. I think I'm going to be doing more things than you more quickly. Um, we uh, a couple of weeks ago we didn't we didn't have the kids, and April and I just gave in and we went to uh, uh, you, we went to the little hole in the wall diner down the street. You know, it was breakfast. It wasn't as crowded as normal. You know, I wore a mask until I, my food got set down in front of me. I ate it and then I put my mask back on. We were there probably less than a half an hour. But I've still only been able to count the number of times on one hand that I've sat down inside or outside at a restaurant uh, to eat. In the movies, you know, I'm going to be looking probably at off times, you know, some weird 11 o'clock showings on a weekend, uh, you know, maybe a random, you know, random like Wednesday or Thursday date. Uh, you know, again, once I'm purely at, you know, only after I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, but I think I'm going to start edging out once I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, but the kids is, is is largely a different story. I mean, I don't know how long we'll be able to keep the floodgates closed, but um, I still don't really want to be bringing the kids out to restaurants and whatnot. So we'll see. Yeah, that's that, that's that's going to be uh, as if you know the last year wasn't enough of a challenge. I think that's going to be definitely the new challenge is figuring out what people's comfort level is. I, I think for a while people, especially at the beginning, people were kind of, you know, all, all on more on the same page and people were willing to, I mean, I, I think people were a little bit more standardized with what 
they were doing and people were following a lot of the same guidelines. And I, I think we've fallen away from that a lot. And I, I think there's a huge divergence here where there's plenty of people that are just full on, you know, live your best life. And there's people that are a little bit more me on the spectrum. They're like, Ooh, I don't know about all that. And I, I think that'll probably just continue to be even an even wider gulf of what people are comfortable with going forward here. Especially because we're going to have the biggest amount of divergence with where people are, right? Like, you know, for the overwhelming majority of this, nobody was vaccinated. You know, you right. can wear a mask or not wear a mask, but we are all relatively, you know, you know, susceptible to getting this. Now we're going to have people who have been fully vaccinated, you know, where I'm, I'm still seeing plenty of examples of, Oh, I got my first dose of my two uh, of my two dose vaccine, and the next, you know, in the next day, I'm I'm out going shopping and eating inside a restaurant. Like, whoa! Like you're not fully there yet. Let's give your body some time to develop uh, its immune response. But but yeah, I mean, I'm start like I'm starting to crumble. Like once April and I are done and and we're ready to go. And again, the the whole state now uh, as of. Uh, March 29th, as of Monday, the whole state, if you're 16 or older, um, you can get vaccinated. There's no preconditions on, on, on who can. So as the team starts getting vaccinated, man, I, I, I really want to just, you know, you know, again, all of our friends or parents at this point, I want to invite everybody over, stay outside largely, but if the weather's good, we can all eat outside. Somebody else can grill because I'm not going to give food poisoning to everybody. <laughs> um, but I want to have everybody over. I want to have a few drinks. I want to play some cornhole. I want to throw the football around. Like I just want to see people and exist in society again. Uh, but there are going to be people who say, hold up, dude. Like, thanks for the invite, but I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. Uh, and that's perfectly okay. And I'm sure there's other people who are going to be like, yeah, dude, let's, let's go. Like, let's do this, you know, every day, every weekend. And, you know, there's going to be that whole spectrum of what people are comfortable with. So uh, let's, let's not uh, count our chickens before they're hatched. You know, slow, we still got to stay safe, uh, you know, get fully vaccinated. Again, we're usually waiting a week or two after our last dose uh, before we are considered fully vaccinated. Uh, so let's still stay, stay safe, be smart. Uh, but man, I want to, I want to start doing stuff. Yeah. Like we said at the top of the show, I mean, this, this is definitely the most exciting time that we've been in in a long time. I mean, to even think of those things as possible and be like, to even consider that and have it not just be like a hard, nah, that ain't happening. It's still a nice feeling. Right. I mean, it's, it's been, you know, you don't even bother to ask because you know, the answer and you know that that is the correct answer. Uh, to not to not do it so you know you you know you and I and Zach and and even more of our friends you know there was no conversation this year about getting together for the OSU Michigan game you know there's no conversation about getting together for the Super Bowl uh, you know these are you know high water events where it's like yeah I mean we need any excuse and let's get together let's go uh, so hopefully you know as we go into the end of this year the start of the next year uh, we're able to do those things um, but we'll see. Uh, I want to touch on the basketball a little bit. Uh, I have really been, the NBA season has really been marred by injuries to, uh, some of the biggest names, uh, the Lakers, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, LeBron James, you know, one B or two in the MVP conversation. 
to Joel Embiid, uh, who all three of those names that I just said are all, they're all injured. Um, are going to miss a decent amount of time. You know, just people dropping uh, left and right uh, on some of the bigger contender teams. Kevin Durant's been out for quite a bit uh, for for the Brooklyn team. Uh, so I haven't as been as invested as I normally would be this year. Just haven't watched as much as I would. I did watch quite a bit of Big Ten college basketball this year, thinking that they were going to come into the tournament and dominate. We are on the eve of the Sweet 16, and everybody – but Michigan is out. Michigan was a one seed. Uh, they are still in it. Uh, they could still go far. They are they, they should embrace their identity as a basketball school, but they are definitely not a football school anymore. Uh, but the basketball has been a bit of a letdown, especially after number two seed Ohio State goes down, if you know what I mean, to Oral Roberts. Aha! I see what you did there. So... Uh, yeah, just a complete, uh, I was, I was at work and the game was winding down and you, you and I and Zach and our, our buddy Stan were Q and I on the game. We were down, we were down, we were in it, but it, you know, we, we, we hadn't asserted a dominating lead and then it goes to overtime and then we lose into overtime. I stayed at work for an extra half an hour or so just, uh, just to see us lose and so I could follow the game and just, uh. Very disappointing. Uh, most of the big time gets knocked out. Uh, the the Pac-12, which has been a laughing stock for a while now, even in basketball, uh, has a really strong performance. Gonzaga is still looking real good uh, to win their first title, uh, but w- we'll see. I'm not. I have not been watching as much uh, as as I have usually been. So, but I, I will tune in for the rest of the tournament. So. I watched any, which is more than I normally watch. And I think this is a good reason. I mean, a good illustration of why I don't usually watch college basketball. That just sucked. I was like, oh, how is he supposed to be good? Let me, uh, let me settle in. I'll learn a little bit about him. And yeah, I mean, I watched a couple. I watched from the Michigan game of the Big Ten tournament, and then I watched the Blue the Big Ten tournament, and then I watched the Oral Roberts game. And yeah, I, I was. You know, learning a little bit about who a couple of the dudes were. I was enjoying it a little bit. Not that I know shit about basketball, but it was mildly enjoyable for being a basketball watching experience. And they just go ahead and lose. I was like, ah, this is why I don't get invested. So, just to uh, put a bow on this topic, um, EJ Liddell, who is one of our best Ohio State basketball players, uh, just his, his final stretch. Uh, not super great. Lots of uh, very critical uh, turnovers and just bad plays uh, in several of these last games. Uh, but he posted on Twitter some of the direct screen shots of some of the direct uh, messages he's been getting about you know with all kinds of awful slurs and swear words and and threats and and just again if you are the type of person who is going to you know, send that kind of stuff directly to, you know, a college kid, really like, uh, you know, a kid, like I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have called myself that uh, back when we were in college, but looking back, just like thinking of how young we were and how much we didn't know how the world worked. Uh, if you're that type of person, you are, you're just fucking awful. Like I, I don't want to be associated with you. Don't call yourself a Buckeye fan. 
you know, I, I know this happens in uh, fandoms all across the country uh, and probably all across the world, but like, you're an awful person. Don't do that. Don't ruin this, uh, you know, for these athletes who are just out there trying their best, uh, who aren't getting paid. Uh, show some class. Come on. You notice how it's always like a 40 year old dude that you know 100% did not go to Ohio State. I love this theory of yours where it's like, only not like that it's it's either only not alumni or that not alumni are always worse than than uh, alums which I, I think probably actually on average is true uh but i'm sure there are plenty of of horrible uh alumni as well as well that do these things but yeah i mean it's always like the guy who like you know just kind of likes them just because he lives in the same state and you know he, maybe he Maybe he was hot shit back in his Division Six, you know, basketball or football program, and he thinks that uh, you know he can do it just as well as these kids or whatever, and that's ridiculous that they want to be paid uh, and that they should just shut up and dribble. Uh, it, it's always that type of guy. Always that guy. Uh, and and fuck you, fuck you, that guy. Uh, that's that's ridiculous. So. Yeah, that that guy could have been a contender, except that he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, did you go to a, did you play division one basketball in the college tournament in the NCAA tournament? I didn't think so. Yeah, the uh, if you want to track the correlation between those type of people and the type of people who peaked in high school, uh, I think that it's a pretty strong. There's a pretty strong correlation there. I held my breath that you were going to say Trump voters, which would have also been true. But we can move on from there. <laughs> no, Trump voters don't watch basketball. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> because of Colin Kaepernick. Oh, all right. We are off the rails. Okay. <laughs> great food truck, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Yep, great perch sandwich. Oh, delicious. <laughs> if you ever see off the rails, hit them up. Good stuff. Uh, all right. So, Andy, I need to get your opinion, father to father. All right. Um, I had one of the more, and again, I, I'm not going to strain the too personal. Uh, my my son deserves his privacy, uh, but punishing <laughs> punishing children is, I think, it's a very personal uh, topic. It's something that can easily get people pretty fired up. Uh, it's something that I don't think I have a great handle on. Uh, and I, you know, I, I see all different types of strategies uh, in our generation, very different strategies in our parents' generation, even uh, worse strategies in our grandparents' generation uh, and how our parents were, were disciplined. Uh, I think it has gotten quote unquote better uh, from grandparents to parents to, to us and in, in our children uh but you know you're the psych guy i know that it's widely accepted that corporal punishment is is it, it's both not effective it you know it often gets you the outcome that you you aren't looking for and and that there, there really is no not a whole lot of data no data that shows that it is an effective form and therefore you should not use it. Plus along with all of the, you know, the Adrian Peterson type stories where, you know, you make your, your four-year-old son pick his own tree ranch and then, you know, you beat him brutally. Uh, you know, those horror stories that you hear things like that. Um, I, 
again, my rational brain agrees with all of that, and I have never raised my hand to one of my kids in a way that I would consider, you know, severe, abusive, uh, not really anything even close to like what we might have experienced when we were growing up. Um, but some, I, I'm not gonna lie, there's just this little voice inside my head that says, when you put your kid in timeout, when you just try to talk them through their feelings, uh, and there and there's not, you know, when you take away their things, that none of those really seem to get through more than you know again not not the hurt not to deliberately cause pain but maybe a surprise maybe just that that look like oh hey you got that slap on the butt and this is a i'm serious uh you need to pay attention to what i'm saying type thing so tell me as a dad like what what do you think about punishment overall like what strategies have been effective for you what do you see what do you think yeah i mean so you you kind of touched on it that I'm, I'm definitely the social work guy so i'm the let's talk about our feelings guy i wasn't sure i thought i was going to be this guy growing up i don't know that i'm even proud of myself for being this guy but that is that is the guy that i am um that's not to say i haven't you know gone with the you know a, a quick squat here or there i found with my youngest though man i've done it like once or twice to catch him and he laughs and there is nothing more deflating <laughs> Then when you're like, all right, like I got to get his attention and you pop him and he goes, ha, ha, ha. That is the worst feeling of all time. Yes. Uh, it is the same. Like, I mean, okay. So, so my, my physical consequences are a joke. And I mean, and that's really where you're like, well, I have one or two options here. I either abandon this and go with a different strategy or I, you know, do something that I am going to regret. And, you know, obviously the, the choice has always been to just say, well, that wasn't the right, you know, strategy. Let's try again. But I, I think a little bit of this is, is and I mean, this is going to sound extreme, and, and it's not meant to compare the two in any way. But I think it's a little bit the logic of the death penalty of just like this feels right. Like you should get some really big things to happen. You know, this feels like logically, if we make this really, really scary and really, really painful, you're not likely to do it again. But much like the death penalty, which I know has been a rant that I've been going on a lot lately, you're right. I mean, none of the data actually backs up that it works. It doesn't work at all. It shames kids. It doesn't work. I mean, you can maybe get a little bit of compliance out of fear, but that doesn't mean that they're actually learning. It just means that they're learning that physical pain is associated with whatever probably minor transgression they've committed. So... Yeah, I, I, I am a talk out your feelings guy, for better or worse. That's who I am. So I think your analogy is actually fairly brilliant um, because it, it really just aligns so well, right? Like, you know, people say, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we have the death penalty to dissuade people from murdering people. Uh, and and they, there's just no data that shows that that, uh, that, that that works at all. And that is one of the primary points that I will always sing. You know, again, I am I am in lockstep with you. I'm I'm wanting to get rid of the death penalty. And again, you can make, you know, there are plenty of moral and ethical and philosophical reasons to say no to the death penalty. But there are also you can make extremely just emotionless, you know, rational conversations that don't, you know, that don't have anything to do uh 
you know, with morals and ethics, just to say that, look, like you're doing this thing that we know doesn't work and we're doing this thing. And that thing is uh, actually more expensive than a lifetime in jail with all the appeals processes and all the, uh, you know, and how long those things can drag out and all that as how much it's going to cost the, the state uh, with the death penalty versus uh, life in prison. And again, that's, the, and, and, and we're putting all of the, you know, the, the lethal injection drugs that don't work and the, the people who are assigned to death row who are innocent and we're putting all of the moral, moral quandaries away and just the cold hard facts say this is this doesn't work. And again, you get that like, you know, you you know, especially if you have a problem controlling your anger, um, and it's you know, you give a spanking and they stop doing the thing that you want them to stop doing, and it feels good, but it just it doesn't work. We just know it doesn't work. Um, no. so I but uh, but the thing that I struggle with is like I think the talking about your feelings thing. And particularly like the redirection, right? Like a lot of times, like one of the mantras, you know, uh, this this can be used in multiple uh, ways with your kids. Uh, you know, we use redirection with our autistic son quite a bit. He's doing a behavior we don't want him to do. It's not like a thing we're going to punish him. He's chewing on something inappropriate. We take the inappropriate thing away and we give him the appropriate uh, thing to chew on. Uh, we've redirected his behavior into a more desirable behavior. And that's great. I feel like we can use the strategy and we do use the strategy to say, look, like, okay, you're getting very upset about this thing. You're acting up, you're whining, you're being mouthy, whatever. Like, look, like, you know, we can't do this right now, but we can do this other thing or we can do the thing you want to do later. And it does de-escalate the situation. It does usually calm the kid down. Um, it does usually, you know, prevent a bad situation from getting worse. Uh, and we move on to the next thing, but there's just that part that part of me that's just like, okay, like you didn't really have any consequences for this thing. And since you didn't have any consequences, what's to stop you from just doing it again? And you just get redirected to a different thing the next time. Uh, you know, we've done the timeout thing. We've done the, you know, my oldest son is old enough now that things taken away. It was primarily, you know, the, the, when he was young, it was the iPad and the iPad became the switch. And now the switch has actually become, thank goodness, like hanging out with friends. Like he's gotten to the point where the most desirable reinforcer is social contact with his friends. And it's not an electronic. So in, in 2021, I'm going to call that a victory. So, so that can be effective for sure. Uh, but, but man, I just feel like it just, I, maybe it's just how we were raised, right? Like, again, like I love both my parents very much. I think they were very good parents. Uh, there was much more corporal punishment in my household growing up than what there is in this household now. And, and that pales in comparison to, you know, what my father was subjected to when he was, a, when he was a young kid and probably so on and so forth down the line. So again, I'm not, by no means am I singing its praises. I think we have gone in a better direction, but man, sometimes I, I just, but you get that feeling, right? Like, man, some of the stuff my kids do, I never in a million years would have even considered doing when I was growing up. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just because it's the thing that's probably backed by, you know, the most statistical evidence doesn't mean that it's any, any fun to do with parents for sure. Yeah. I feel better, even though I don't know if we if we really got anywhere. I mean, I'm going to continue to to keep my cool as best 
as best I can. And, and really like, that's the, that's the thing where I, you know, I want to try and never use it out of just pure gut anger and, and lose control of, of what I want to do. We are the adults. They are the children. They're going to make mistakes. They're hopefully going to learn from them. Uh, we need to model uh, good behavior for them. Uh, but man, sometimes they can just get under your skin. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's, that's why we're getting that extra tax credit for putting up with <laughs> exactly like that. Oh, amen to that. Biden raised a bunch of kids. He knows. Oh, yeah, he knows. He said, this is hard, y'all. <laughs> we'll give you 30 bucks for that. Trump uh, donated uh, some DNA for a bunch of kids. So, you know, he... He he's he's a dad too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's not going to be coming on Buckeye Dads discuss though. No, no, definitely we, we, not. We are we are like Twitter. We have a pretty solid uh, stay the fuck away policy. Yep. And man, I feel okay. So this is going to bring. This isn't an outline. I just want to make it a tangent. And this is another. This is you know example number three hundred eighty-seven of of how Josh is probably online online a little too much Um, over the past month or so, uh, but particularly in, in recent weeks, the like national media has been in this fever pitch, you know, ridiculous notion about how important it is that president Joe Biden has not had a solo press conference with the national media to, to, to take their questions. And literally, like, I cannot think of a more stereotypical, like, the average American just doesn't give a shit about this. Uh, but again, I'm on Twitter, and I, I'm following all these people. With It's used to where I'm getting my news about what horrible thing the previous uh, president Setter did. Uh, and, and again, I think Biden has been pretty quiet. You know, he's come out and he's given some, you know, you know, directed speeches uh not done one of these press conferences yet so he finally gets around to doing one uh earlier this week and andy can you want to guess how many uh questions from the national media there were about the pandemic no i don't even want to guess when you say the national media i'm assuming that's not including news corp (laughs) <laughs> no it's it's all the respectable places that you you know again like i'm sure fox was there or whatever but the first question goes to the ap and it's all a bunch of cnn's and nbc's and abc's and foxes and and yada 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 zero questions on the pandemic however this was one of the questions that was posed to joe biden president joe biden are you planning on running for president again in 2024 wow um we're not even done with the first 100 days yet (laughs) like you guys are gonna throw this huge fit about how he's not you know and again we all know what this means right like the press wants access to the president sure but this is clearly uh do you have the intellectual fortitude at the advanced age you are to go in front of you know a whole bunch of reporters you don't have the questions ahead of time and to be able to stand up there answer the questions and not, you know, Joe Biden shit to bed with some horrible gaffe uh, that makes it look like you are this doddering old man uh, who really shouldn't be president anymore. And you ask for this press conference, you get this press conference, and then you waste our time with stupid drivel like that. I just, I just can't deal with it. 
I, my thoughts on that are, I feel like it might be a waste of time for the president to be holding a press conference. Like maybe he could just make that a job in the administration where there's a person that briefs the, briefs the press on what's going on. So that way he doesn't have to worry about that himself. <laughs> And it's just the height of of ridiculousness to be like, you have the Trump administration, which again, I know we can't grade against the curve for Biden for the the whole four years or whatever. But you have no, long- I mean, he's going to be getting one hundred eighty seven percent on everything if you do that. Yeah, but you have long stretches of the Trump presidency where there were there weren't daily press conferences. Like the press secretary just didn't come out to take questions. Or, you know, set her piece and then took one question from OANN and then said, okay, we're done and, and left. The uh, Jen Psaki is up there, you know, four or five, you know, times a week answering questions. Uh, again, like, I'm not, I'm not saying the president is just a figurehead who's not, you know, knowing and delivering policy. But, like, don't you actually want to hear from cabinet members and uh, senior administration uh, officials who are more steeped in in that particular subject they are the subject matter experts for the questions you want to ask um i just don't i i just don't get it like this is so much uh you know people are probably just uh pleased that they don't have to worry about every day what the stupid thing the president said uh biden's been pretty quiet and uh i i i don't miss i i don't miss having the president in my life every single day with the potential to say something horrible. Yeah, that's been a really, I mean, that that's maybe been the uh, second best feeling other than let's get some vaccines going that, that we've had in a while to wake up and be like, ah, if the president says something today, it's probably just going to be reasonable and not super racist. Yeah, I still feel a void, dude. Like, I still, like, I'll be, you know, tooling around on Twitter or I'll, you know, it'll be, it'll be, I'll be wrapping up my lunch, you know, and I'll just be like, man, like, I feel like there's something that I need to like react to. Like, I feel like there's, you know, some kind of, you know, important thing that's missing. And it's just like, nope, it's just, I just don't need to hear from the president every single day. I mean, we passed this bill. We're working on getting out of a recession we're cranking out vaccines and and hoping to get people vaccinated uh just do your job and and that's been reflected so far in the very 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 early days of biden's presidency with a pretty strong i think we're in the the 60 plus percent range uh approval rating for him right now so which in today's day and age with how divided we are i think is it's a pretty good number so yeah i mean i think that would be like if michigan made it through their non-conference schedule without either coming really close to losing to or losing to <laughs> some ridiculous team. It's like, ah, something just feels off about this. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, excellent. It's just excellent. And the fact that we can talk politics and turn it into a Michigan joke, damn, that's a good feeling. Because there was a long time where I don't think that was happening. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I thought this might be a debate, but it's not. So we're going to spend a very short amount of time. Like, why do we still move the clocks? Why can't we all just get on uh, uh, the time frame where it's light in the evening and it's a little bit darker in the morning? Let's stop changing time, uh, you know, uh, changing the clocks. And let's get rid of daylight savings time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to blame conservatives on this because, you know, conservatives love a bunch of 
old-timey stuff that doesn't make sense anymore. It was probably based on something that wasn't true in the first place. So let's just say that's conservative's fault. And I mean, there's nothing to add to that. Daylight saving time is stupid. The fact that we change our clocks is stupid. Anyone that's ever had a kid that was on a routine that said the kid's routine is off by an hour for no reason at all knows it's stupid. Like, has, some, has nobody just thought of that? I mean, I'm pretty sure if somebody proposed, like, let's change daylight saving time, like, Marjorie Taylor Green would just shoot it with an AR-15. <laughs> and that's probably why we would be able to do it. But, I mean, Jesus, how are, why are we still doing this? Daylight saving time is trash. As Even Michigan s- fans know it's trash. <laughs> As you said before the show, like, who are the proponents for this still? Like, can't we all just agree like this is a horrible idea? We're not a farming based uh, society or culture anymore. Um, let's just have the light in the evening so we can get home and maybe go outside with our kids for a little bit or go take a walk around the neighborhood. Uh, I just, I just, there's no, again, medically, like I feel like shit, uh, you know, for a, a couple of days or so uh, after the clocks change. And again, there, you have, a statistically significant increase in cardiovascular events, strokes, heart attacks. Uh, when this happens, people lose an hour of sleep. It's much more dangerous on the roads uh, for the people who didn't get a- enough sleep. Uh, it's just garbage, and it's time to get rid of it. It's it's three hundred year old men that still write in cursive with like the little ink pen that you have to dip into the the pot of ink. Those are the only people voting for it. But unfortunately, that's like. 18% of Congress. So, oh, Yeah. I, again, there's no reason to dwell on this. We're right. Uh, everybody needs to realize it and let's get rid of daylight savings time. Yeah. If you have a take that daylight saving time is great, just, I, I don't know, send it to somebody that cares. It's not us. You're wrong. Oh, send it uh, to uh, Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com and I will read it on the air and dissect it, uh, explaining every single reason why you're wrong. Uh, and I will forward it to Mike Pence, assuming he's one of four people that would appreciate it. <laughs> oh. Mike, that invitation is still out there. If you want to come on the show and defend daylight savings time, we're waiting. Uh, I just want a, a quick call back to an old episode where you were uh, initially skeptical that the people who were inside the Capitol were going to be charged. And we are we have crossed the 400 plus person. Uh, count as far as people who have been charged for being in the Capitol. So uh, for all you uh, chuckleheads out there who thought it was a good idea to go into one of the most important buildings in the country, uh, you're, what else can I say? You're just getting what's coming to you. Yeah, I'm very happy that I was wrong on that one. All right, Andy, this was going to be our list until we realized that there are aren't that many different types of Girl Scout cookies and most of them aren't good. So it's time to box. Give us your quick, just a quick top one, two, three, whatever uh, of Girl Scout cookie power rankings. Yeah. So mine's real quick. It's a one, two and not three. Number one is Thin Mints in the freezer. Number two is whatever the peanut butter boys are called. They're really oily, but I mean, there's enough peanut butter in them. They're decent. And, uh, I mean, every other Girl Scout cookie goes ahead of whatever the ones with the coconut in them are, because those are nasty. Okay, so the correct power ranking for Girl Scout cookies is number one, Samoas, which are the coconut ones, I believe. Uh, number two, there is no... Uh, number two, uh, 
tagalongs, the peanut butter ones that you mentioned, those are fine. They're not great. Uh, there is no number three and very, very last on the list. Uh, nobody wants frozen toothpaste as a cookie. Thin mints are garbage. Uh, throw them away. Get rid of them immediately. Damn. There's a time I would have defended Thin Mints a lot harder. I think it's probably been several years since I've had a Thin Mint, so I don't know that I can really be their hero, like, in good conscience. But I don't know, man. I just – I love stuff in the freezer. I like a Snickers bar in the freezer. And, and just – I mean, I think it's that the Girl Scout cookies are just so oily to me, and Thin Mints are the least oily. Like, I feel like you could take a Girl Scout cookie and, like, dip it straight in olive oil, and you wouldn't even be able to tell. <laughs> and I think the thing about Thin Mints is they don't taste like that. And especially in the freezer, they really don't taste like that. They have just like a satisfying, dry, crisp crunchiness to them. And they're solid with ice cream. Like you crunch some of those up into ice cream, like some vanilla ice cream with a little bit of like crunchy mintiness in them. I can get behind that. Okay, so I have a, a counter proposal. And it's you prevent yourself from chipping your teeth, keep the Thin Mints in the freezer, squirt some toothpaste on your ice cream, and, and eat it, and you'll replicate that feeling right there. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I'll give that a shot. I don't think it's <laughs> going to be good because that's a terrible idea, but I, I can support giving that a shot. I want to hear your defense of the coconut natties, though. I mean, uh, they're delicious. To be fair, I hate coconut, so you're probably not going to give it to me of anything because I think like the dehydrated coconut is like some of the worst shit on earth. I don't mind like coconut and like a pina colada, like the coconut flavor, but the little dehydrated strips of coconut that I'm making gestures that you can't see because I'm even on camera right now. But you know what I'm talking about? Hate those things, and they're all over those cookies. So convince me why those are not trash. Yeah, I just. Uh... You know, they they kind of look like a ball of wax a little bit, which isn't great. Uh, not going to lie. I think we're we're working with a pretty damaged product uh, overall. The whole line, just not very good anymore. Um, but I don't know. I just they're, they're like cracked to me for whatever reason. And I, I can eat one. And here's the thing. It's both good and bad. Uh, I think the uh, the um, serving size now for Girl Scout cookies is legit a full box and that's just because now there's like four cookies in a box uh i feel like when we were younger you would get like a full like you know there might be a good four or five rows and each of them has like five cookies in it and it would be like okay like i'm I'm actually getting something in this box now it's like you get maybe like 12 cookies and it's, and they're really small in diameter and it's just like okay i just spent a, an overpriced amount of money and and uh, these aren't that great to begin with. And then now there's just not ma- very many of them at all. So Girl Scout cookies, uh, you are trending down. Uh, I'm not investing in you. Uh, but I mean, Samoa's, I'll take him. I, I'm not a big, uh, a huge cookie guy, but I mean, my mom makes the best cookies on earth. Like it's not even close. So if I'm going to eat a cookie, it's going to be one of my mom's cookies. It's gonna, like you said, it's going to be a thousand times better than anything you can buy anywhere on the earth so <laughs> i mean I, i'm all for the girl scouts i think they do some cool things I, I i think at this point i'd rather just give them the what is it 26 bucks for a box of cookies or whatever they are these days like i think i'd rather just throw them cash and be done with it. <laughs> yeah let me make a charitable donation and piss off i don't want your cookies 
Yep, and I'm itemizing that if I buy more than one box. <laughs> it's the list of the week. All right, Andy. This week we're going to do uh, top five favorite Columbus restaurants. Fun. Love it. That's one of the places that I feel like I would make, you know, a pretty regular pilgrimage to that it's been a while since I've been to Columbus. So there is some good eats there that I have not experienced in at least a year. And some of them, I think it's probably been a lot longer than a year. So love this topic. Um, and just uh, one quick caveat for all of our potentially younger listeners. Uh, I, I'm curious if, if anybody listens to this podcast that currently attends or recently has attended Ohio State, by all means, hit us up on Twitter, or email. I, that's unlikely, but uh, if you are, because this list is going to be primarily dated, uh, largely influenced by the years 2006 to 2010, uh, when you and I were down on campus. I mean, we've certainly visited many times since leaving uh, Columbus, and Columbus is God's country, and, uh, and one day I really do uh depending on where the kids end up i really do hope to retire down there i think that would be uh wonderful uh and i'd still be in the state so all of my uh son's uh, special needs stuff would also be applicable down in columbus so that would be wonderful uh we'll see if i if i serve out the end of my days here in toledo but columbus would be nice as well uh but some of these restaurants probably don't exist anymore might not exist in, in their current uh in the locations they were when we were uh, in college, uh, but we love them nonetheless. Absolutely. All right. Uh, th- we're going to have a considerable amount of story time in here, uh, Andy. So let's just go ahead and get started. We'll weave things in as we go. Uh, give me your number five. Yeah. So there's actually a couple on here that I think are uh, post college. So I'll be curious to see if there's spots that you've eaten at and uh, what your thoughts are on that and we number five on that list is, is a place that i didn't go until after college but it's Katzinger's deli in the german village you ever been there i i do not believe i've been there no tell me about it all right so crystal is a huge deli fan i'm not you know a sandwich is a sandwich to me and, and that's that's been a source of some uh some disagreements in the house because to her a good sandwich is a treat and to me it's like oh okay this is like the best of a bad bunch of options cool this is one place where a sandwich is a little bit better than a sandwich. So I, I, it's a little bit on there for her. But uh, the thing I really love about this place is they have the fattest free pickles. They're like as big as your head, like fat pickles that they just have in a barrel that are just showing for free. So I will eat like 17 pickles and then have a sandwich. It, it's a ton of local stuff. Um and they have, I don't know, it's like 80 sandwiches or something on the board. So, I mean, if, if you can if you can dream it, they're willing to give it a shot. The sides are pretty good. Um, a lot of, like, Jewish-themed, like, kosher-type stuff on the, the side menu. So that's going to be number five on my list. All right. I want to speak directly to your wife. Okay. Crystal? She has never listened to the show and probably never will, so I will relay this to her. Crystal? <laughs> You are a hundred percent correct. I could eat a sandwich every day for the rest of my life. You can mix it up. There's so much variety. There's so much options. And when you get a good hunk of cheese, a good slab of meat, a a bread thick with texture, and you get your favorite, you know, mustard, mayo, whatever your thing is, 
lettuce, tomato, you can put anything on it. Uh, a good deli sandwich is such a treat, and you are so wrong uh, to disrespect them. I put them fifth on the list, so I, I, I'm I'm trying. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna break character and say one nice thing about Ann Arbor and the University of Michigan. Uh, again, I have not eaten at the place that you said, but Ann Arbor has a deli called Zingerman's uh, and some phenomenal, phenomenal deli sandwiches there. Just really good. I, I can't even I can't even summon a bad word about them, you know, minus the fact that they're in Ann Arbor. So it's like $12 for a sandwich or whatever. But the food itself, phenomenal. We've been there and it's pretty legit. Love it. Okay, number five for me is a restaurant that I first went to before I started uh, as a freshman at Ohio State, the summer before, Buca de Beppo's in downtown Columbus, family-style Italian. Um, in, in my life, the Cheesecake Power Rankings go as such. Uh, before I went to Buca de Beppo's, it was my mother's cheesecake, and then everything else, uh, unassailable, undisputed number one. The cheesecake at Book of the Beppos, phenomenal. Just just wonderful. You get giant portions of food. It's that great homey Italian uh, feel to it. Everything's family, side, uh, family style. You're passing plates around. Uh, music, it's in a great spot downtown. Uh, I've had several uh, excursions out there. You know, it's a great restaurant when you're in college and your and your friend's parents come in town and they and they volunteer to take a couple of people out to eat. You can eat lavishly uh, with some wonderful Italian food. Love going there. So a couple of things. Number one, your mom listens and you're in trouble. Number two, <laughs> <laughs> number two, I had that experience because your parents definitely took us out there one time and it was fantastic and i'm 100 with you on that that was a good spot all right number four number four for you yeah so i'm glad that that we uh we made chains okay and i know that i'm usually the guy that pushes back on chains more than you do so i don't know why i'm happy that you put a chain out there because that that, that that's more on brand for you than it is for me but i'm gonna i'm gonna put ted's out there another downtown spot that for me I feel like there were just a lot of moments at Ted's. I mean, I, I feel like that's where we went after our last finals. I know I introduced my parents to Ted's, and both of my parents think that it's a great spot to get the, you know, the bison burgers. That's not something you can get just everywhere. My dad had a bison steak there one time that my dad, as a steak connoisseur, said that is the best steak he's ever had in his life, like to the point that he felt the need to share it with the server, which is not very typical my dad's just like yeah it's fine whatever but i mean so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw ted's out there and i know you've been to ted's with me a couple of times the great spot right across the street from nationwide arena one of my favorite places on earth so you know i mean the uh the view out the front window you can't beat it it's the home of hockey so that's a great place uh you say ted's and i just think of bison burger uh delicious wonderful Definitely a unique menu item uh, that uh, sticks out in my head. Didn't make my list, but uh, definitely a wonderful place to have a meal. So, uh, well done. Number four for me, I'm going to put together. A, there's going to be so much category fraud here, and, and that's fine. Whatever. It's our list. I don't care. Two 
chains, and I've touched on these before, the Hospital Wendy's and the Pizza Hut Taco Bell, places that we frequented quite a bit. Uh, the Hospital Wendy's is just the most efficient, cleanest. You know, if you need to find a Wendy's where, you know, they take the pictures that show up on the Wendy's commercials, the food is that high quality. I always felt like James Bond when I would walk in to the lab building that I worked in in the med campus, take the elevator, go down to the basement, walk through the tunnel system, and eventually wind my way into the Wendy's that was in the basement of the James Cancer Hospital. Uh, And they're efficient. They have lines, crazy long lines uh, at lunchtime. And they manage to, you put your order in, and by the time you get up to the counter, they have your food ready to go. Efficient. uh, The best Wendy's that there is. Um, Can't say enough good things about it. Uh, And that Pizza Hut Taco Bell, the complete other end of the spectrum. uh, Walking... Uh, I'm sure uh, food violation place, uh, but sometimes at four o'clock in the morning, you just need breadsticks uh, and a quesadilla, and it delivers every single time. Yeah, wow! I'm starving after that. <laughs> after you bring up the Pizza Hut Taco Bell, I no joke. I I think I probably gained fifty pounds from Pizza Hut Taco Bell alone. Like I spent four years losing the weight that I gained at Pizza Hut Taco Bell. I don't regret what I did there. I did some disgusting things there. And I don't regret a single one of it. It was an adventure every single time, no matter what. I've even gone through the drive-thru and it's an adventure in the drive-thru, let alone if you go inside and meet the cast of characters there. But Hospital Wendy's, that is the second appearance that Hospital Wendy's has made on this show. I don't even remember the context of the first one, but that tells you how many times you have a Wendy's that is so memorable that it's going to show up on multiple episodes? It, but you're 100% right. It is a Wendy's disguise. I mean, it's a, it's a Chick-fil-A disguise. It's a Wendy's. It's Chick-fil-A serving Wendy's food. It's that level of efficiency. But it's Wendy's fresh beef. That's a great spot. Love, I, love those picks. The last thing I want to say about this is someday, you know, if I'm good enough and I, and I, I stand before God in my final judgment... And he's going to, you know, pull the highlight reel up and he's going to show some clips where I led a band of people into the front. So, again, you can get to that Wendy's through tunnel system in the lab building. But sometimes we were bold enough to walk in the front door of a legitimate cancer hospital, get in the elevator and go down into the basement to go to hospital Wendy's in the middle of the night. And uh, that, and that might not be our best look. I'm just going to throw it out there. Look, I didn't know how to get to hospital Wendy, so I will be able to confidently say on Judgment Day, I was following you 100% of the time because <laughs> I, I never knew how to – I don't think I ever went there. I, I 100% no, I, I never went there on my own, and I don't think I could have even got there on my own. So if that gets me any bit of a break, I was following you every step of the way. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, number three for you? Yeah, number three. So we'll stick in the the fast food kind of neighborhood. Raising Cane's. Wow, um, I can't believe I just like completely blanked on on heaviness on my list. I still don't know if it would have made my list, mostly because while delicious going down, it uh, it usually provoked a certain violent uh, GI reaction uh, from me. But a, a wonderful choice. Yeah, I mean that, that that's a classic spot. It's one of those places that was open until. 
I don't know what three four o'clock in the morning. Yep. So another one of those places that I think going there in the evening was as much an adventure as it was, you know, a, a strategic decision to try and get some food. I mean, there were there were some of the more off-campus options that were were definitely, you know, you could actually just get food without it being a full-on experience. But if you went to the one that was on High Street, that I don't even know if it's still there, that was. You never knew what was going to happen in a good way, but but you knew at the end of the day you were going to get some consistent chicken fingers with two pieces of Texas toast and some sauce, and it was going to be a good night. That was for the first three years. So they took it away my senior year, which sucked. But for the first three years, you could get a fifteen dollar Blue Jackets ticket, and it came with a box combo from Raising Canes, which at that time I think was seven or eight bucks. So I mean, you were basically paying seven bucks for an NHL game and getting a seven dollar meal. It was an amazing deal, and I ate a shitload of chicken fingers on the back of that deal, and I don't regret it. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, definitely. That was our introduction to Canes. Uh, there is not a Canes in Solito as of right now. And uh, mm, so good. So good. Uh, number three for me is Apollo's. Apollo's is was this little hole in the wall place that served greek food and my a hundred percent go to i'm i'm drunk and i need something to soak up the booze place was going to apollo's getting a euro fries and a coke there were some benches pretty close right across the street from apollo's on campus it'd be two o'clock in the morning we'd be sitting out there with our euros the i would get a chicken one and then a true euro meat one the uh, the tzatziki sauce was just phenomenal the fries were the perfect level of grease uh and it was just a hundred percent like if i'm drunk and i want to get some food apollos was number one for me that's a good spot i don't think it's there we were talking a little bit before the show i don't know that it's there anymore so i don't know what the kids do these days that's a spot that I feel like I, I probably underappreciated because I didn't love Greek food then the way I love Greek food now. So I do feel a little bit guilty that, you know, I, I probably should have enjoyed that a little bit more in my days there. But Apollos is a great pick. A very, that that's, I feel like there was a handful. I mean, Canes was on the list. PJ's was on the list, which is definitely not going to make the best Columbus restaurants list. And I think Apollos was, I mean, pretty close to, yeah, I mean, those those were the top three, like, if you're drunk and it's late, these are your options. Yep. Yep, for sure. All and right. Apollos yeah. was, was maybe the best of them. All right. Absolutely. Before we move on to number two on our list, let's have some story time. First story time, just some of the places that popped in my head as far as worst places on or around campus to go get something to eat. Ooh, and there's, I, a lot, there's a lot of options for the worst and, list. And I have a I have a couple of contenders. Feel free to add. Uh, the BW3s on High and Lane or just right across the street from the north end of the campus is the worst service. You know, the wings were, were, pretty, were pretty thin, not a whole lot of meat on the bone. Always busy, always loud, always crowded. Hard to get a seat, especially if there was a football game going on um, and just just awful. I'd never wanted to go there. 
man, VW3 sucks, and that one sucks more than than the average VW3s, which sucks pretty bad on its own. All right. Uh, all right. I'm going to, I need to commit some list fraud again because I realized I left off a, a, a restaurant that has to go on, uh, has to go on my list. So, uh, pizza on campus and right off campus generally phenomenal. I'm going to scratch these people on my list, but they're, they are certainly on the top five somewhere. Uh, Adriatico's, Portofino's, which was the home of the giant, giant pizza. Uh, <laughs> Donato's, affectionately Donato's, uh, for our friends, the twins. Catfish Biff's, there was this, I think it was called like a New York style pizza place that served pizza by the slice. Uh, Hound Dogs, there are so many good pizza places right around campus. Uh, and I'm just, I, again, I'm a person who thinks that even bad pizza is, is, is good pizza, but this was great pizza. You had a whole different choice of styles, plenty of great pizza, uh, places. However, the, the one place that puts my theory to the test is <laughs> pizza at the Drake, affectionately entitled the pad. You could get this pizza using your meal plan, using swipes. And that's why it was often, uh, pretty popular just from a purchasing perspective but oh man this was just cardboard uh with some topping you know with some toppings on it it was awful 100 percent. if you were still hungry when you were done you could have ate the box and you wouldn't know <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, so so but you you mentioned a lot of really good self-campus pizza places and again i don't know if they're still there but those places were all I, they weren't even far from. I mean, Adriatico's and Catfish Bisque were a block from one another, and good, good pizza, real close to one another. Uh, once again, just now and forever, reaffirming that South Campus, best campus, North Campus sucks. Yeah, not even a contest. If if, if you think North Campus is good, just turn off the podcast and go listen to something else. <laughs> You probably don't think Taylor Swift is great either, so get out of here. <laughs> is there anything you want to add on the, the bad list? No, I think you covered the bad list. Pretty, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of bad spots, but I can't imagine that many of them. I mean, that Wendy's on Bell Campus was pretty brutal. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The, 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 not hospital. I mean, it was, I guess, trying to compete with hospital Wendy's, and you, you po- couldn't possibly compete with hospital Wendy's. But, I mean, that place stands out as being particularly like, yeah, we're not going there. But, no, I, I think you did it Anything in the uh, there was nothing really good in the South Campus Gateway. I feel like they they touted that as it was going to be a bunch of good stuff, and I feel like all the places we ever tried there were like But yeah, I'm sure they're probably gone by now anyway. True. Okay, number two on your list. Number two. This is a place I think you've gone a couple of times, but Tigo. This was mine in Tigo's spot. Yeah, I was Gourmet House. Yeah, Chinese place like at the end of the street. Uh, Ninth or tenth and high. Oh yeah. Okay. I I know which place you're talking about. Very minimal interaction by me. Yeah. That that was a place that we would we would go on weekday afternoons a lot. And that man, they had just a variety of great Chinese stuff. It was it was relatively cheap. You got a ton of it. It was spicy. It was that that's it's maybe a bit of an emotional pick for me because that's just a place that I really remember, you know, having some good conversation, really looking forward to, you know, maybe the times that we, we'd go have a lunch there. But that place had some really good Chinese food. 
and I feel like that was something that was a bit lacking otherwise was, you know, you, you had like the Panda Express as an option, but I mean, when you're talking about like a real legit place, Panda Express type, you know, Magic Walk couldn't hold a candle to Yao's Gourmet House. So I hope it's still there. I think the last time I went down High Street, maybe two, three years ago, it was, and I was pretty happy to see that. So I, I hope they're still kicking there. The owners were always in there and super friendly. So great spot. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Number two on my list, Buckeye Donuts. Defend uh, yourself. Okay. There are few things on God's green earth better than a blueberry donut from Buckeye Donuts. Again, it's they're open super late. Uh, this is literally like the prime time. Like if I if I'm done uh, with my exams and I want to go treat myself something or whatever, this is just this is a little hole in the wall place. Donuts plus college equals happiness. The blueberry donut is the best. It's literally like this is. You know, this sounds insane for me to put a donut spot as number two on the list. You can get our food there or whatever. Uh, but I love these donuts so much. Uh, again, is this objectively, should this be number two? Uh, probably not, but I just have a special place in my heart uh, for Buckeye Donuts. Yeah, so I was a little confused to see this on your list because I thought we were talking about restaurants. Yeah, well, sometimes... Uh, you know, a donut can be a meal for breakfast, and five donuts can be a second dinner, and that's and that's how we get to the freshman fifteen and the college. I don't know, twenty five or whatever. Um, bad decisions were made sometimes. I, I, I'm gonna give it to you because that was a great defense. Um, I mean, I think you know my feeling. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I thought they were average donuts and I'd been there plenty of times, you know, I, I'd been there with you. I've been there other times too. And I just, I mean, so it's, it's not personal. I just, That's fine. I never thought they were anything more than average donuts. I'm also not a huge donut guy, so I may not be qualified this week. Yeah, I mean that that's okay. We can again different as I tell my my oldest son all the time, different people like different things, it's okay. But yeah, just uh oh man, I want to roll it. And again, so and it, or a little bit more story time. So a couple of years ago, uh, we, me, my wife, my mother-in-law, and my brother-in-law got tickets to the Ohio State Northwestern game. Uh, we were all except to go, but it was good. Not just going to be, we we're going to go to the game, but then we were going to walk down High Street, and I was going to kind of get to do my nostalgia thing a little bit. And I, I wanted a blueberry donut for Buckeye Donuts. I wanted to just. You know, maybe hit up Apollo's, just pick whatever, maybe go to Kane's, uh, you know, pick one of these uh, memorable spots. And I think three days before the game, maybe it was two days before the game, three or let's, let's, let's say three days before the game that night, my wife is a trooper, uh, but she's looking a little like white in the face uh, and says yeah, that her side hurts. And I'm like, okay, well, like, obviously, there's the thing that you always think of when your side hurts, you know, so she still has her appendix in her body. So we go to urgent care. And uh, one of the ways you test for, uh, you know, appendicitis and whatnot, is you stand on your tiptoes, and you, you know, you let your your balance fall and you fall and when your heels hit the ground, you know, if you have that impact that works its way up your body, if that just like cripples you in pain, 
that's a there's a good chance that it's your appendix and she did that and it, she definitely had a lot of pain but the, the the doc said oh go home and 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 rest and see if you feel better in the morning so morning rolls around and terrible she advice yeah yeah exactly morning rolls around and she does not feel better so on to the hospital yes her appendix has burst hospital appendectomy uh and whatnot and and again like i my wife and i has had this debate multiple times like some costs we've already spent the money for the tickets it is what it is you're you're in the hospital with surgery we're not going to the game on saturday oh well according to my wife we are going she's going to be fine for it can't talk her out of it so we go to this game we take our seats and i'm noticing as the game goes along that my wife is pretty cozy in her seat she's not really jumping up to stand up to clap when something good happens she's not really cheering you know she might get up and then it's pretty ginger to sit back down again she's just had surgery to get her appendix taken out and so she's clearly uh putting on a brave face but wilting as the game goes along uh and man, man i really wanted to go down high street and she's saying oh i'm good and oh i'm good and uh, we're staying downtown, way down Neal. Uh, and and so we start walking. But, you know, the plan was this, uh, uh, to swing down lane and then go down high and walk around or whatever. And she can barely move at this point. Uh, and so we end up having to walk still a good ways to get to a bus stop, to go take the bus all the way down Neal, still have to walk. She can barely move by the time we limp into our hotel. We did not go down High Street. I did not get to eat on campus. We instead end up ordering a pizza from Donato's that takes an hour to arrive. It's like 1230 in the morning at this point. I am extremely irate trying to keep my cool in front of my in-laws. But uh, yeah, that is if you want uh, you know, a showcase in pigheadedness and stubbornness, April, my wonderful wife, I love you, but what a, what a night that was. Man's just trying to get a donut. I just wanted a blueberry donut <laughs> for Buckeye Donuts. Make me a donut, clown. But uh, yeah, and, and I and we walked down High Street a little ways, and honestly, I don't even know if it exists anymore. So you know, your 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 disrespect to Buckeye Donuts. Uh, potentially wielded out of existence. So I hope you're proud of yourself. Man. <laughs> uh, all right, Andy, before we go into number ones, again, this is just so, what a trip down memory lane. Um, I just want to talk about true on-campus places to eat before we give our number ones. So some of the big ones, uh, again, we're, we're, you know, tilted towards South Campus. Uh, you have Marketplace on uh, what tenth and tenth and tenth uh, and Neil. Uh, yep. That's kind of more upscale. Uh, my favorite Marketplace story is that uh, one year uh, our buddy Obi and I stayed about a week after uh, going into Christmas break, and the only thing that was left to buy at Marketplace with our swipes was we got a ton of hot pockets, and I got chicken salad sandwiches, and like. 48 cans of coke and that's pretty much all i ate and drink for about five days in a row and uh, i've never had a hot pocket ever since <laughs> nice mirror lake cafe was a personal favorite of mine 
uh, open extremely late in the evening. You, again, going back to you could get a very good sub or sandwich there. Uh, the meatball sub in particular, the pizza sub with a pizza little meatball. Was, pizza sub was legit. Uh, uh, really good. And uh, in the end, I want to tell a story about the Mirror Lake Cafe. It's relevant to you. Sophomore I see year. your notes. I see your notes, and I think it's getting late, and we should wrap up. <laughs> I, uh, I'm si- sophomore year. I'm sitting in the quad with a bunch of guys. We're all just kind of playing video games, hanging out. And a certain girl from our floor comes storming in to this room, completely distraught because her boyfriend is no longer her boyfriend anymore. And she's just beside herself. And she's really hungry. And she wants to go get a meal. And every other guy in this room looked at me because I had just said, Hey guys, does anyone anybody want to go out and get something to eat? And they looked at me and they said, "Oh, Josh hasn't eaten yet. He would be happy to go with you." Ooh. And so I uh, walked down to Mirror Lake Cafe with said girl and had a very long lunch, explaining to her that her boyfriend, my co-host on this show. Uh, just, uh, it just, you know, he, it's not, it's, it's not you, it's him. It just it yep. wasn't going to work out and I feel really bad for you, but, uh, you know, you're young and you've got your whole life ahead of you. And it was, uh, it was an experience. Uh, let's put it that way. So, uh, uh, fuck everybody that was in that room, uh, for, for, uh, for throwing me to the wolves. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what a great story. Really enjoyed that one. Yeah, so I don't think I've ever heard that story before, actually. Maybe I didn't. I've just forgotten it. But well, you weren't in the room. Obviously, you were doing your best, you know, hiding out or whatever. I'm sure I was. <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah, that's always, that's always stuck in my head. It was very. It was just like out of a movie, legit. Like you got five guys in a room, and four of them snapped their heads around to look at me, and then. Uh, Max Life, our buddy, our buddy, uh, who we affectionately calls "fuck dude." Fuck those, dude. Are, those are the only two words in his vocabulary. He said, uh, "Oh, hey, Josh. Josh would love to go out and get something to eat with you." And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's but, not, I'm sure that's not what he said. He said, "Fuck dude, Josh will probably uh, <laughs> fuck dude. He'll get something to eat with you. Fuck dude." Yeah. yeah so, uh, <laughs> uh, and then bullshit. Then, I, I I owe you a nice uh, meatball sub from somewhere then to make up for the one that I'm sure you didn't enjoy that afternoon. And then finally, last and probably least, Kennedy Commons, our beloved KCOM. Uh, dining hall attached to our dorm that I once tried to enter without shoes. Uh, sometimes... Unsuccessfully. Sometimes you just need to get soft serve ice cream for breakfast. And again, we're right back at it with a freshman 15 and change. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not exactly anything you're writing home to your mom about but sometimes you just want to you know not have to leave the building to go get something to eat and uh you're gonna go you're gonna go to kcom that's that's great i i remember what brunch went till two o'clock and i remember seeing you rolling there more than a few times at like 157 and a half yeah and uh and i had been awake for about five whole minutes at that point so oh yeah <laughs> maybe that was a good spot, though. Yeah, the, the action station was, you know, you could occasionally get something halfway decent out of there. Yeah. 
Alrighty, Andy. That was lots of diversions and segues, but give us your number one. Yeah, so number one on my list is actually a place I never went in college, but it's become my favorite Columbus spot. It's Tip Top Kitchen, downtown. You ever been there? I don't think so, no. Man, it is it is a hole in the wall. They have I'm not even a huge fan of pot roast, but I have the best pot roast sandwich I've ever had in my entire life there. They have it's cheap drinks. It, I mean, it's cheap food, so it's it's, it's certainly not going to break the bank. But it's it's really just really good, like homey type stuff. It's the kind of stuff that your parents would make, but you know you can get it at the bar with like a two dollar beer on top of it. So that that has definitely become our uh, adults only Columbus stop. So I mean, it is a place that you probably could take the kids, but we decided that's a place we're going to keep just for us. So so we've been there a couple of times. We've been down there and. Man, that is a place I'm just in love with these days. So, so Tip Top Kitchen. Honestly, I can't even. It, it, it's further than further south than nationwide. That's that's about all I can tell you downtown. Okay. It up. It's, it's all right. Blocks like south and nationwide, but not not too far from the arena. But okay. it's, it's a great spot. I'll definitely have to hit that up next time I'm down there. That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I think a twenty will probably get both you a dinner and a drink. So it's it's it, it's a spot that certainly doesn't break the bank, but but don't let that fool you because the food is real good. Nice, nice. Okay, a quick honorable mention before I give my number one. Uh, Thurman's Cafe has been on, you know, some of the, the the food shows. The burger that they make there is just to die for. However, I'm not. This is this place is not on my list because, again, I love food as much as most people like most things. But I just cannot justify on a weekend waiting two and a half hours to sit down to have a cheeseburger, no matter how good it is, and fries. Um, and again, this this place has a capacity of like 12 people. Um, and so we went, if you go on a random Tuesday afternoon in the summer, you might be able to sit right down and, and enjoy a wonderful meal. Uh, but if you go on a weekend when your friend's parents come into town, uh, you will legit like legit wait close to three hours uh and it, it's just not worth it to me so number one on my list i i i had the audible to put this on my list midstream eddie george's and this is going back to going back to our game list you know this might not be the true best restaurant but if you want to pick a place where we had all the experiences in college eddie george's restaurant is number one for me yeah, I mean, that was probably just sitting on the outside looking into my list. And if I made this list on a different day, it, it could have been as high as number one. That was a great spot. Talk about places, a place that we have memories. That is a place that we have some memories. And the national championship nachos are still legit. I've been back. I think you've been back. I feel, I feel like every time we go to Eddie George's, if we go there, you know, not together as in our post-college life, like, hey, I'm at Eddie George's. So you know a place is good if it's like, I got to text my boys and I'm at Eddie's. Great pick. Yeah, Eddie George's was the place that when I was just like, hey, guys, like, once a year, I would be like, hey, we're just going to go. And 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 me, uh, like I, via the Ohio State University, am going to spring for this meal, and we're just going to go nuts. It always included national championship nachos. Uh, you know, we had the 
the the one day where like royal flushes were super cheap and we got really (laughs) drunk we watched some mls there we watched some hockey there we watched football there basketball there just uh just a really cool place from a memorability perspective memorability perspective the food i mean the food is good i mean it's not again like there are plenty of places where you can get a bunch of different types of american food and uh and you know sit and have a beer and and watch a game Uh, and it's certainly one of those but you know to be named after uh the ohio state legend and uh, just we had so many good experiences there uh number one on my list great great pick that uh the royal flush night you said we were watching hockey that was that that was we were watching the stanley cup finals that night because I remember, and that game went into overtime, and uh, the Royal Flushes were still five bucks or whatever they were for the carafe. So, we, yeah, we had a night. <laughs> I think I watched the entire game in overtime, probably uh, four hours of hockey, and, and did a solid four hours of drinking that night, and uh, still left with a bar head, bar tab that didn't hurt. So that that was a great spot, great pick. Again, that was a place, you know, you go with your parents when they came down. That was a place that, you know, me and you would just go if we were having a shit week. I think my 21st birthday, I think that was the place that I had the first beer that I bought legally. So that, that place definitely holds the memories. Yeah. And uh, again, there, again, you saw how much category fraud I have on my list. Like there's so, there's so many places that I just love to go grab a slice of pizza, sit down and grab a, a burger uh you know just just so many memories uh at ohio state uh just really enjoyed my time there and uh hopefully someday i'll uh be back again to to visit uh walk through campus hit up some of these spots what a wonderful place eat some delicious stuff because man if there was one thing we did when we were down there we did eat oh yes oh yes Alrighty. So before we, clo- yeah, before go we for close, it. I, I, I do have a little bit of uh, super exciting news. What's that? Uh, baby Tigo has entered the world. Oh, congratulations yeah. to Tigos. Baby Teddy Tigo. So the, the newest member of the, uh, the Treefield family has made his appearance on the earth. So congrats to Tigo and Emily. Wow, wonderful. Super exciting. Wow. Just so, uh, again, one of your roommates, just for the, the people who don't have the context, one of your roommates, he's a, he was a year younger than us at Ohio State. Great guy. Uh, wonderful at the time girlfriend who is now his wife. Uh, just two quality, upstanding people. Uh, some of the best you'll ever meet. And uh, congratulations so much to the two of them. Welcome to the, to the Parenthood Club and uh, best of luck happiness and health to you and your family yeah you guys you guys won't be sleeping for like the next three years so. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking for something to do turn on the show <laughs> but 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 congrats that's super exciting for them so I, I know that's obviously something they've been looking forward to for a long time so welcome baby teddy tigo love the name too that is a world-class name just excellent wonderful wouldn't expect that anything else from those two Oh, what a what a great way out of the show. Yep, that that was pretty exciting. So that 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 news just broke. So so we stick that in there. Have have a little bit of a live reaction to something that I think is super exciting on a show that's been very exciting itself. Positive news and and what better news can we have than uh, 
adding a new human to the world. So enjoy that tax credit, guys. <laughs> wonderful. Just wonderful. Alrighty, Andy, this has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Alright, stay safe and get that shot, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.